Welcome to the Elite HRV Podcast, where experts share their experience using heart rate variability and other biomarkers to optimize health and human performance. Welcome back to the Elite HRV Podcast. I'm Jeff Fry, your host for today's episode. And with me today is a man by the name of Dean Dwyer. Welcome to the show, Dean. Thank you very much, Jeff. Hey, so let's dive in. Um, in one of your recent podcasts, you mentioned how what you do is not dissimilar to what a mental conditioning coach of a professional athlete might do. And I really, I really just love that comparison. So I was hoping we could start off the show today, Dean, and and unpack a bit more about what it is you do and give our audience a quick bio um, leading up to that. Sure. And I'll, I'll start with the bio just to give context to this. But um, I, I've probably got a story that a lot of people can relate to, which is, you know, for the better part of half a century, I've struggled with my weight. You know, I've I've had successes and then but ultimately always sort of failed at this and so when I was 53 I sat down and I, I had this there were a lot of realizations and there continue to be a lot of realizations but one of my big ones was that how I look impacts how I show up in the world and I thought if I don't like it has an impact on every other area of my life. And so if I don't feel like I'm showing up completely as myself because I don't like how I look, then there's no way that I can bring as much as I want to bring to the relationships I have, to the work that I do, to the community involvement that I want to have, all those sorts of things. And so I thought I've got to figure out a way to not only solve the problem, but sustain it beyond just a couple of months that I was looking at sort of years and decades. And so that was the journey I went on. And um, when I got to 54, I started out at 195 and I was probably somewhere between 22 and 25% body fat. And I managed to lose 40 pounds and down to about 10% body fat. And I thought, and I, and I did it, Jeff, in a way that was very different than what most people uh, do. There's a lot of work that I've done on building habits for myself, behavior change habits, and figuring out not just how to change a behavior, but actually to sustain it, which is much harder than adopting a behavior is being able to sustain it long term. One of the things I knew I could do, like I thought I could change how I look by doing what I used to do in the past, which is like I'd work out for like 30, you know, to 60 minutes a day. But I thought that actually isn't like people who, who, um, who work for a living, who have families, who have children, who have partners, who are involved in their community, who have extended family, you don't have time to suddenly add an two hours to your day to now go and do something that you weren't doing before. And I think that that's the one thing that a lot of people forget when they're following people is that you have to look at their circumstances. Like I'm not going to follow some 25-year-old kid who who is in great shape but has never been overweight because he doesn't get it. Like he doesn't know what that's like. And so I feel like one of the advantages I have now is you can't look at me and say, oh, he's gifted genetically or like I'm not. You go, all you got to do is look at my before picture and you go like, oh my God, he was hideous. So <laughs> it's uh, like you and, and you look at it and you say, okay, and he was 53 when he did that. And so I, I feel like I have a story now that, that people could look at and they could say, you know what I do like that, that provides hope or they think, you know, I could, I could do this. And like, as an example, so my training, 
I work really hard to make sure it's only 10 minutes a day. And I know some people might question that and say, oh, come on, that's, you know, you can't possibly have gotten what you got doing only 10 minutes a day. That's, uh, I mean, you know, some days it might be 12 minutes or whatever. Sometimes I'm playing around with new moves and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll experiment, but I work really hard at like getting my 10 minutes. And then when I, my 10 minutes are done, they're done. Cause I thought if I can, if I can do this and I can sustain it, then somebody else will look at that and say, yeah, I could find 10 minutes over the course of my day to do stuff. And so, yeah, I wanted, I wanted what I'm doing to be a, I, I wanted to live the model. I wanted people to have a picture in their head and say, I know a lot of people say, Hey, if I can do it, you can do it. And I, I feel like that's actually not true in most cases, because again, we don't really know what people are doing behind the scenes. I don't, I, you know, like you said, like if I'm immersed in this and this is my life and I'm spending two hours in the gym and like that, that's not the same as again, somebody who's got a family and got kids. I want to reiterate that for our audience. Um, I encourage everyone to go to our show notes and look at the before and after uh, of Dean Dwyer and go to his website and check it out and, and see exactly what he's accomplished over the course of what sounds like six months. He lost um, 40 pounds. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is, is that right, Dean? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. He, he lost 40 pounds at the age of 54 over the course of six months. And it sounds like you did it the vast, at least the vast majority of the time you were working out, you were, you're exercising like 10 minutes a day. Is, is that all right? Well, actually, um, uh, it evolved to 10 minutes. So the way that I, I approached it, Jeff was, so when I start, so I spent a lot of time rethinking, like I thought, I know if I do this the way I've always done it, which is I, I dive in and I'm, I'm an extreme junkie. I love extreme solutions. So I've, gravitated to things like P90X, which is a fantastic program, but it's extremely, it's extreme. Like it's 45 to 60 minutes, six days a week. And I've done that. I did that for 90 days back in 2010 and nobody knew, nobody knew I did anything. You couldn't tell my, my after picture looked like most people's before, but I, I, I thought like, I thought I've got, if I just do what I've always done, I know how this is, this is going to end badly in two or three months. I'm going to be right back where I was before. So I actually spent a lot of time really rethinking, um, looking back at all my failures. And I thought, like, what are the commonalities in all my failures? And, and how do I learn from that so that I can put together something that will actually work long term this time? Because I had never really thought long term. I always, when we get into this, everybody, we, we think about it simply as weight, right? And, and, we, and I didn't know it was going to be 40 pounds. To be honest, I didn't even think that was achievable. I thought if I could get to 170, I remember being in university, my second year in university, and I got down to 169. So I thought, wow, if I could get back to 170, that would be awesome. Um, but I, I really sort of looked at this and I thought, it's got to be different. And the one thing that I noticed in all my failures in the past, and I wrote an Instagram post about this, was that I would start something that would work and then I stopped doing that thing, whatever it was. Now, there were two reasons I stopped. Either it was too extreme and it wasn't sustainable. So I made a note of that. I thought anything I do has to be sustainable. And the other one was I just, you know, I, I got overconfident and I started thinking, oh, I don't need to do this anymore. I can, you know, like I can get away with not doing this. And that was sort of, sort of the kiss of death. So yeah, I spent a lot of time, Jeff, this time around thinking about everything that I could do to sort of make sure that I would have long-term success. And the way that I thought about it, it, I created this 
term for myself called the minimum viable threshold. I thought my goal here is where most of us go into this, like as an example, when people decide that they're going to lose weight, the first thing they usually do is they join a gym and they start doing some crazy exercise program that requires them to invest like 45 minutes of their time a day or whatever. I thought, don't do that. Don't do that. Everybody does that. Nobody ever tests to see what's the minimum that I need to do to get the results I want. So Jeff, when I started, I didn't even, um, I did, it wasn't even 10 minutes. I realized I didn't actually enjoy working out, but working out was important for me because it would change what my body looked like. Cause I had man boobs going on and I'm like, okay, I need to do something to tighten this thing up. Otherwise it doesn't matter if I lose 25 pounds and everything is hanging like a pair of socks, like it's going to look terrible. So I got to do something to tighten it up. So actually in the first month I thought, okay, let's just condition myself to show up and do whatever it is I say I'm going to do. It was a hundred pushups, which took me, I did, I would do them in sets of 20 or 25. And that took, I would time myself and that took me about three minutes over the course of a day. I just, I would, I would periodically would stop. I take a strategic pause and I would, I would drop down and, and do 25 pushups. And then when I got to hundred, that was it. So that's all I did for the first month. And then once I felt like, okay, I got this, I've got this under control now, like I'm committed to this. Let's, let's, let's bundle another behavior together. And then I started doing core because I realized for me, if I feel lean, um, it changes how I carry myself, even though nothing's changed. I'm st- I still weigh the same. I still look the same. But when my core is tight, I feel lean and it changes how I feel in my clothes and how I'm showing up in the world. So, so then I started doing five minutes of core work. So just whatever, I, whatever I could think of, I would just do like 30 second sets. So I would do my hundred pushups and then I was doing five minute core. And then, and then the next month I thought, okay, I, I bundled those two together. Let's bundle a third. And then I started doing pull-ups, which I couldn't do. And I didn't like doing, but I thought that's a high leverage activity. And so I thought I got to teach myself how to fall in love with, with pull-ups and I could only do three. So I did a set of three. And then the next day I did a set of three and then Later on in the day, I did a set of two. And so I was doing five a day. And that's kind of how I went about approaching this. But um, yeah, it, it, it evolved over time. And then I realized it, it kind of, I was doing something one day and I started calling it 10-minute body. And so for the last, I would say, eight or nine months, it's been 10-minute body. And I work really, really hard to keep it to the 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's still amazing that you're able to, uh, sustain, you know, the, the body that you have now, uh, at an age of 54 with just 10 minutes a day. It's truly remarkable. So I'd encourage all of our listeners to, to check out, um, Dean's Instagram, just to see, just to witness sort of what he's doing because, my, um, my, my shameless it, topless photos, your, your shameless topless <laughs> photos, but you know what, you know what, I think people need to see it. Uh, and visuals are, are very powerful. And so I, th- I don't think you should you know, feel ashamed about that at all. I think, I think that's exactly what you need to be doing. I, I think it's really powerful. Um, Thanks. Really can powerful I, can I jump in on that for a second? Sure. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say too. And I think the other reason that I do that is that I am actively working on changing the way that I see myself because I've been, I have not liked the body that I had for most of my life. I was, ne- I was always frustrated with how I looked. I never, I always had this visual in my head of who I thought I could be and I was never there. And so the Instagram feed actually acts as as a way to reprogram how I see myself so that I no longer see that guy that would, you know, wear baggy clothes to hide his body that, you know, that that it it every day it reinforces the new look that I have. So it actually plays a really pivotal role and initially I did feel weird about it initially. 
because I would, the videos I film, I film them for me. I'm not filming them for Instagram. I film them for me because when I'm shirtless, I can actually see the muscle groups that are working. And that is really motivating as well too, because you, it's another way that I would gauge my process, my, my progress. I'd be like, Oh, like you see muscle separation somewhere. You're like, Oh, I didn't see that before. Um, and then I got to the point where I thought, okay, I'm going to start sharing this. And I got over that fairly quickly, but I was pretty self-conscious the first few times that I did it. And I kind of do make jokes about it now being a shameless self-promotion, but you're right. I, I think people, people need to see it so that they, uh, yeah, just so that they know, cause I said, I don't, there are a lot of people too, that post a, an after picture and then, but that after picture was from like three years ago. <laughs> and so it's not yeah. up to date. So I thought if I'm posting this too, then people will see that I've been able to sustain it because I, I, my message about sustainability is actually more important because that's actually sustainability is harder than losing weight. But anyway, that's a, that's another topic we can talk about later. No, I love that. Well, I do want to um, go back to, um, something that you were saying, because I think it's going to resonate with so many people. Uh, uh, as a nutritionist, I work with a lot of people who uh, are kind of have that sort of black and white mentality when it comes to things. I think that's why, you know, January New Year's resolutions are such a big deal is because so many of us function that way that, you know, we're either on or we're off. I think that's kind of what you were talking about. We're either on something or we're off something. And uh, I love, I absolutely love this concept of minimal viable threshold because that sort of uh, contrasts this natural black and white tendency that so much of us have. And it says, not what's the maximum I can do, but what's the minimum I can do and do ostensibly, you know, with some of these behaviors, ostensibly forever, you know, can I do this forever, so to speak? And when you start thinking about things in that way, you really start to think about, okay, yes, I can do that. Like you, you, you start to think about um, what's the minimum I can do, not what's the maximum. And uh, that's sort of a mind, sh- like a, a shift that um, is really difficult to make. But I think once you make it and once you see success from it, you get it. Um, you get how the power in that. It's so counterintuitive to the way that we are thought to think about solutions, right? Because every solution out there is some extreme version of something, right? It's it's seven days for this or 30 days for that or 90 days for this. And so we have been programmed to think that change is supposed to happen really fast, but nobody thinks about like what happens after you get the result? Like what do you like what do you do? What happens? Well, for most people, um, they end up like what ends up happening with a really extreme solution is we do a reverse countdown. So I remember when I was doing the P90X thing, which I, I want to say is a fantastic program, but I said, it's too, I'm not, I'm an extreme junkie, but it's just, it wasn't sustainable. It was just, there was so much resistance around doing that every single day, but I did get through 90 days. But the way I was approaching it was, I remember I did the first day and I thought 89 left to go. And then it was 88, 87. So we do this reverse countdown. The problem with a reverse countdown is when you get to zero, is that there's no there's nowhere to go. And so we we and I remember I got to zero and I thought, okay, it doesn't look like I've done anything. So I'll just do it again. And that lasted one day because it was just too extreme and it wasn't it wasn't sustainable. It burned us out. So I thought, okay, if I I'm gonna do it this time, but again, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna come at it the other end. I'm just gonna start playing around like what's the least? What's the least I need to do? And then once I find the threshold and it I continue to play with that. Like I continue to, I'll give you an example of, of, of something I just recently tweaked. So one 
thing that I was doing was 10,000 steps a day. So for me, it's always about sort of always sort of addressing the resistance that comes with something. If there's too much resistance, we're going to stop doing it. So I'm always very aware of that when I start feeling resistance to something, which is why 10 minutes is a challenge for me, but it's doable. Again, if I, if I put it to 15 or 20 minutes, I probably wouldn't continue with it. So I've realized that for me, 10 minutes is it, it pushes me and it challenges me. Um, but it's doable. So the 10,000 steps, I've started feeling resistance with that because I go out for a walk and I come home and I go, oh shoot, I still have to do 2,500 steps. So then I would go either back out or while I was out on my walk, I'd start zigzagging all over the place. It wasn't enjoyable anymore. So I thought, you know what? Let go of the 10,000 steps thing and just put in a number. I thought what's ultimately important is that walking for me, it gets me outdoors. I get myself some vitamin D and it's like a walking meditation that I enjoy doing. So let's put the fun back into it. So take the 10,000 off the table, cut it in half. I want to get at minimum, I want to get 5,000 a day. And then if I get more than that, that's a bonus. Like last night, I walked like a madman. Uh, I got 25,000 steps. Now that's an unusual day, but, um, but, but, but again, the minimum is just get your 5,000 steps in. And then anything beyond that is, is, is a bonus. And it, it brought the joy back into that because now I'm going out for a walk and I'm actually enjoying it. And I'm not, I'm not looking at my steps going, oh, okay, I better walk backwards and walk over this way and, you know, those sorts of things. So it's always, Jeff, about removing resistance so that it is ultimately sustainable long-term. Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, and I love the way that you think about these things because, um, with so with so many things with so many things it's all about um talking about how how we do things this like this new thing this new thing you can take this new uh, protocol you can do to get the results that you want and we we will then maybe give a, a quick nod to you need to have the right mentality around it and then you know that's 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 all we say about it right um but what you do is you focus um, on the mindset and that comes with all different sorts of behavior change in all different domains in life. We're, we're, we're focusing mostly on, you know, diet and exercise and health um, up to this point, but it really is applicable in any domain in which you'd, you'd like to, to um, you know, have some sort of behavior change is that changing of the mindset or focusing on the mindset um, and, and the power behind that. That's the beauty of mindset as it travel like it, it it you can it travels to other domains right so you can you can look at other disciplines and take the same con- like the minimum viable threshold also applies if you're a writer like what's the least you need to write in order to feel that you have you know you you've put in whatever effort you want to put in what's the least number of emails that I need to respond to to feel like I'm managing my inbox like it it applies anywhere what's the minimum I need to do um to, you know, to build a much better relationship, right? Um, yeah, it, 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 I, I love, I love the, I'm always thinking about concepts that travel. And then the other thing that I really work hard at doing is saying, okay, like don't, we have a, a bias, Jeff, we have a, what I call context bias is that we take an idea that we hear in one space and we only think it applies in that one space. And one of the things that I, one of the, the skills that I'm really great at is so for example I don't read weight loss books I read business books and I take the principles cuz I believe building a success the reason I call it a successful body is that it it it's run on the same principles as building a successful business so I read 
like Jim Collins has written a whole bunch of books about, you know, business, you know, uh, um, why businesses fail, good to great, great by choice, all the concepts. Every, I would be reading the book and I'd be underlining and highlighting in the margins and I'd say, this applies to a successful body. This applies to a successful body. So the principles travel. We just, it's not a way that we're conditioned to think. We don't teach people to think this way in school. So I think that's one of the one of the areas that I can provide real value is to get people to sort of think differently about not only the ideas that they're going to invest in, um, which is a, also a key word now that I've started using with my language, is mm. that I'm a, I'm a behavior invest. I, I I consider myself like Warren Buffett, but I'm a behavior in investors. Or sorry, I'm <laughs> I'm a behavior in. Uh, sorry, I'm an investor in behaviors uh, rather than a, an investor in companies. So. Um, did I, I say love that? that. Did, uh, did, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think you did. I, I, yeah, uh, I think you did. But uh, I think the audience will get it no, no matter what. But um, <laughs> what I love about that is, so, I mean, in our society, so often, you know, success success financially is, uh, you know, necessarily means, a, you know, a less healthy lifestyle. In, in so many uh, contexts, you know, it means sitting down more. It means, you know, spending all of your energy and uh, emotional energy and physical energy in, you know, um, business, in, in in what it is you do to, to make money and not in, you know, living a healthy life. And so a lot of people who find themselves in, you know, poor health or, um, you know, anything along those lines, they're probably, they're, very often they're, they're, um, they struggle with either their weight or or their health in in some way, and so reframing all of this to think, uh, it, to use terminology such as investing in your your health, I think is is brilliant, and I think um, it it it's a great way to get people like that to to actually um, you know understand the importance of 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 their health. Um, now, now one thing I did want to talk about um, is this. Uh, uh, mind this this graphic you sent me the mindset miracle um and uh, so for our audience this will be another thing in the show notes i think this will be an episode that you'll really want to check out our show notes because there's going to be a lot of helpful visuals but um dean's created this mindset miracle um, model it's a it's a diagram of of various um various things pertaining to, to mindset. And I was hoping Dean that you could, we could take a few minutes here for you to talk through that. Um, uh, uh, and as best you can for, for a listening audience. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't have a, a copy of it in front of me right now, but I, I have been actually working on that model for years. So, um, so for me, when I started this, Jeff, I, I said, I was looking at like when I, I sat down and I thought, okay, like, I, this ends badly if I just do what I've always done. If I just mindlessly go into this and try, you know, and try and do my way out of essentially what I believe was a thinking problem. But I thought I need, like, for me, I'm very visual. Like, I need to, I need to see something in order to really understand it. And probably the best way to describe it is anybody who struggles with directions is like, I understand the words. When you tell me where I have to go, I get it. I understand the words. But if I don't get a clear picture in my head of what that destination looks like, I end up somewhere that I did not want to go. And so it's the same in life. Like if we, if I can't get a clear picture of how something works and I'm just doing stuff, then the problem is if it doesn't work, I don't know, I don't know what to fix because I don't know, I, I don't actually know what I'm doing. 
So for me, I started thinking about like, what's, what's at the root of change? Like, how do we go about changing behaviors? And the more that I, I, I I'll give you an example, like, for example, with uh, the American Constitution. So the American Constitution is, a, is obviously is a, is a world-changing document that was created. But when you understand the mindset behind it, the mind, they created a mindset that didn't exist, which was that every human has rights. And from that mindset, it, it, it created a list of behaviors that um, people, people with that mindset would have, but they, have, they would have access to. But the moment that you put that out there and you say, hey, you know what? You have rights. The moment that I go, yeah, I do have rights. The moment I adopt that mindset and I say, I do have rights, that it inherently, whether we realize it or not, it will change the behaviors that we are now investing in. Even if we don't realize it, the moment that I change a mindset that I have, it will automatically impact the behaviors that I am performing. And if my behaviors are impacted, then it's going to change the outcomes I'm producing. So for me, when I started thinking about this, Jeff, I was like, okay, I got to figure out the root cause mindset here. What, how am I thinking about this? And so I'll use, I'll use the successful body as an example. Um, I was thinking about it the way everybody else was thinking about it, that, that it was a diet and exercise issue. And I thought, well, what if it's not? What if that's, what if that's a wrong assumption? Uh, what if diet and exercise are definitely, they're part of the solution, but what if they are not the root cause? And so I really, I spent a lot of time kind of noodling on that, trying to figure out like what the root cause might be. And then I finally, I finally figured it out. I realized that the problem was, it wasn't that I didn't know what to do. Like I didn't need another diet and exercise solution. I knew enough to do something that would allow me to have success. What I didn't know how to do was manage my own behaviors that I would start, I would start behaviors and then I would stop. And so for me, like I started thinking, I thought I have to teach myself how to stop stopping. Like if I, if I know that something is going to work, then I have to figure out a way to manage myself. So I show up every single day and I do that thing that I know generates results. And so for me, this journey, it's not a diet and exercise solution. It's actually a journey of management. And if you can manage it, well, first of all, Peter Drucker had this great quote, this great quote, if you can measure it, you can manage it. And then I sort of added to that. If you can manage it, you can master it. And so for me, this is all about management. This is a management issue and it's learning how to, it doesn't matter what the behavior is. I need to figure out how I can make sure that I show up. And I, I focus on daily. Um, there are intermittent behaviors you, we can do like, uh, you know, two or three or four days a week. But for me, I thought I'm actually going to go with, I'm going to focus on frequency. The more that I do something, and I think of it as practice. So like every day I get to practice this, this behavior. And the more I practice it, the better I will get at it. So I always focused on daily, which is also why I have 10 minute body is I do it every day. And I have now for today is day 511. So I do it every single day. And some people say, well, don't you need a day of rest? It's like, you don't when you're doing 10 minutes. I'm not tearing my body apart. In fact, I never sweat. I don't even change clothes. I wear the same clothes that I'm wearing right now to do my workout. Um, and I push, I challenge myself. But again, you're only doing like one set of pull-ups. Um, and then I'm going to come back maybe an hour later and do a couple of other, you know, two-minute exercises or whatever it happens to be. But all of this, Jeff, is really, it's it's all about, um, it's all about uh, managing my behavior. But at the end of the day, when I'm struggling, I go back to the model. It's like, okay, if if this is not working, 
then I have the wrong mindset. And if I can figure out the mindset, then my behaviors will change. And when my behaviors change, my outcome will change. So it now gives me a way, if I look at an area of my life and I'm not getting the results that I want, then I automatically know I'm not thinking about this correctly. I may not even know how I'm thinking about this. And it may take me a lot of work to try and figure out the root cause of what's what's going on here. But if I can figure out what it is, then I have an opportunity to change. Once I, once I adopt a new behavior, so for me with this one, it was like, okay, then I have, I'm going to, I'm going to become great at managing myself. And that changed everything for me. Yeah, totally. And I'm looking at this mindset miracle um, diagram that you have here. And for our listeners, um, there's mindset at the very heart. You have a small circle called mindset. And then around that is a, is a bigger circle uh, labeled behaviors. And then around that is an even bigger circle labeled outcomes. And so mindset you're saying is at the very heart of that and it dictates behaviors and behaviors dictate outcomes. And so you, you can see that indicated in the graphic, you see the mindset with arrows extended out, um, towards outcomes. Now, one other component of this diagram that I do want to, to, to mention is all these, um, small, uh, circles that are pointing or are on the very exterior of the graphic, but they're pointing in towards those. Can we, can we talk a little bit about that? Dean, yeah. uh, there, there's like friends and followers, for example. Yeah, no, thank you. And I, I, as soon as you mentioned, it, I thought, oh, good. He, <laughs> cause I forgot to mention the, the last part of that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so the three concentric circles and, um, what, what ends up happening is, when I change my mindsets, I change my behaviors. When I change my behaviors, I change my outcomes. Those act like a magnet. And suddenly you begin attracting different things into your life. So the moment that, like, for example, I'm on this podcast now because of the changes that I've made, right? Like I reconnected with you. I reconnected with Jason, but I now have something of value that I can add to your audience. I didn't before because of what I, I was doing previously. There would have been no reason to have like, it's like, hey, let's bring an overweight guy on the show and have him tell us why he's overweight. Like there was no value in that. So it, you know, it allows me to now attract a different type of person who is really interested in the way that I think about things. Um, it allows me, it attracts different resources. So now I, I'm seeing uh, books that that are coming my way that I would not have seen before. I'm I'm having experiences that I would not have I would not have had before. I've had people reach out to me, for example, to start doing personal coaching, which is not something I'd even thought about. And but again, that's that's you know that's a result of of sort of this thing acting as a magnet. It's uh, some people might think this is a little woohooey, but if you I, I do believe in the whole idea of the law of attraction, and and um, but the law of attraction to me was always sort of a this ex, you know, ex, ex, exponential, uh, was that the word? I don't know what the word is, but anyway, you know, this sort of fuzzy concept that was just out there. And it's like, I had always believed in the concept because I do believe that who I am attracts the people that are in my life. Um, but I thought this actually makes it visual. So people understand that that's how it works. When I change my mindset, changes my behaviors, which changes my outcomes. And now I start attracting um, generosity into my life and kindness and serendipity and luck, like things start working out in my favor. Uh, you know, the other day I went to, um, so we have these, this is little phenomenon here in, uh, and I don't know where else this happens, but people build in front of their houses. They look like birdhouses, but they're little libraries. 
and people can put books that they don't want anymore, like that they're done reading. They just put them in there. So you may come in and take a book, but then you've got three books that you know, you're not going to read anymore. So you put them in there. So I, periodically on my walks, I will come across some of these. And I, uh, I stumbled on and one of them. Usually, uh, I'm not really a fiction reader. So I, I prefer nonfiction. And so usually there's nothing in there for me. But in this one, there was uh, James Allen wrote, As a Man Thinketh. Now, I had always seen that. Um, didn't know what the book looked like. It's just a thin little book. It's almost like an essay. But I saw that. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this is, that's, like, that's mindset. This is all about mindset. And he wrote this like 100 years ago. And so it's, 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 it's a concept that's been around forever, but it's kind of been lost in this, you know, we live now in a world where, you know, we think that all our problems are, are required doing solutions. So we're just out doing a whole bunch of stuff, but it's like, if, if for anyway, I do, I always serve, whenever I talk about this stuff, I always talk about me. I thought if I want to change, I want to create serious long-term change, then I need to start. If I don't change the mindset, then what happens is I'm using force and force will get you results, but it's not sustainable, which is why um, like a 30 day extreme solution, you can get through it and you can probably lose weight on it, but it's not sustainable long-term. It burns you out. So there's a difference between force versus flow. You get to flow when you change your mindset, when you start doing the work. Now, a mindset takes work. Like I'm right now, I'm in the process. I've got little whiteboards in my my place here where I write down a new mindset that I'm looking to adopt. And I keep repeating it to myself throughout the day. Um, I, I mentioned to you, Jeff, off the, uh, before we got online, I have had um, sleep interruptions of late. I'm very careful with the language I use. I never use the I word when I'm talking about sleep. I've had sleep interruptions. So I'm not getting the best quality sleep that I want, but I realized I'm not thinking about it correctly. So I wrote down the mindset that I want. And the mindset I want is I'm a great sleeper. And I keep repeating that. I am a great sleeper. And it sounds weird at first and it feels weird at first, but I'm going to keep repeating it because eventually that gets into my subconscious and it's, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe that I'm a great sleeper and I'm going to put my, and every day I'm going to show up and I'm going to put my sleep protocol in place. I have a scorecard for sleep, just like I have a scorecard for my body. I'm going to put it in place. And, uh, but that's all mindset stuff. Oh, I love that. Um, I'd be really curious to see kind of the end results of, of that little experiment you're doing. And what I love about that example, too, is how pertinent it is to our, to our audience here at Elite HRV. I mean, our audience, uh, you know, quite diverse. Um, we have, you know, biohackers. We have people who are just interested in improving their health. We have people with, um, you know, some pretty serious uh, conditions who are trying to improve that. We have, we even just have, you know, um, you know, successful people who are just trying to, to to get better. And and I think that's why having you on our, our on our podcast here is is just so pertinent because everything about what you talk about is applicable to all of those people. Um, and, and when you're taking your HRV, um, you know, every day or however frequent it is that you're doing that, you're getting information about, um, that that's going to help inform potential behavior changes. Right. Um, but it doesn't tell you anything about, um, the mindset that you need to take when implementing those behavior changes. And it sort of, it, it doesn't say anything about how difficult 
behavior change actually can be. And so, um, I think it's, I think it's great that, that we're having you on talking about this and uh, along that vein, I was hoping, I know that you're, um, you've been using elite HRV, um, the, the app. I was hoping that we could, um, get a little bit of, um, get a little bit of context behind what, you know, why you started using it and, and, and your general experience with it, uh, up to this point. Sure. Yeah, no, no. Um, so, I yeah I actually find your app to be really really valuable and so one of them one of I mentioned earlier that Peter Drucker quote what gets measured gets managed so every behavior that I adopt I I don't like I spend a lot of time thinking about okay like what am I going to do and how do I measure it it has to be measurable now ideally I'd like it to have a number but but not all behaviors necessarily come with a number. Sometimes it can be measured by just simply, did I do it or did I not do it as a yes or no, right? 10 minute Mm -hmm. body. Did I do it? Yep. I did it. So, um, but, but every behavior has to be measurable. There has to be a way to know, um, how you're doing with that behavior. So what I really love, so I'm, I'm into anything that's going to give me numbers. So I log my foods, I weigh my foods, I weigh myself and all of that data is invaluable for me in terms of, uh, understanding, you know, if my behaviors are moving in the right direction and all the trends that they offer. The problem was, and I, I sent you guys an email about this too, because what I thought was fascinating with your app, and I'm not sure if people necessarily think about this, I'd always hear people say, um, you got to listen to your body. And I was like, I get, I understand the words. I have no idea what that means. Like people would tell me, they go, oh, yeah, I really listen to my body. I'm like, I, my, my body doesn't tell me anything. Like I can never, unless it's obvious, like I, I'm not picking up anything from my body. So it, it didn't mean anything to me. What, and, and then I, I was looking at your app and I thought, actually that number is invaluable for me because it's, it's telling me what's going on on the inside. And I can't get that number anywhere else. Like, again, I just, my general feeling doesn't necessarily indicate that everything is okay. Um, I think I sent you guys an example too. I, I had read an article in on ESPN that I thought really validated this whole idea of listening to your body. Uh, Daniel Cormier, who is um, a UFC fighter, he measures his uh, he measures his, his HRV, and he, about six weeks before he was having his championship match, which happened a couple of couple of months ago, uh, his HRV dropped suddenly. And he's like, whoa, this is, he had been tracking it every day. So this, this, like that data was like, okay, there's something going on here. And so he went and got tested and turned out he had COVID. And I thought that's the value. So I'm using HRV at its most primitive level. Uh, But it tells me like, that's how I listen to my body is that I'm not, I'm not waiting for my body to tell me something. HRV tells me how my body's feeling. And then from there, I, I make a decision about uh, you know, like how I'm actually feeling and whether or not I need to back off or whatever. So it will, uh, in fact, I just had, I had a day about three days ago where I was a five and I, I just, I didn't feel like I normally feel. And I thought, yeah, you know what, today is just going to be 10 minutes stretching. So I'm just going to, I've got a stretch program that I have been working on. I thought I'm just going to stretch today. So it's, uh, I found it to be invaluable, uh, because you can't see what's going on on the inside. Like I can see weight loss, um, I can see the foods I'm eating. I can see the foods I'm weighing, but I do not know what's happening on the inside. And so that gives me invaluable data that I can use to begin to gauge my own behaviors on, on, on again, just dialing. I, I tend to, I, I used to think that that whole warrior mindset about 
pushing yourself regardless of how you feel, that's not such a great approach anymore. That you've got to find a better way to find the balance of knowing when there's a, there is a time to push and then there's a time to dial it back. And that's it helps keep me centered because otherwise I just go full throttle all the time. Yeah, totally. I mean, and you can push through and um, it's just not sustainable. I mean, it's the same stuff that we've been talking about earlier in this in this podcast. I mean, you have to make um, these changes. You have to you have to do these things to improve your health. You have to make them sustainable, um, whether it may it may not mean that you have to do them every day, um, such as the example of your your 10 minute um, exercise routine every day. But um, whatever frequency that you choose and wh- wh- whatever it is, it, it has to be sustainable. Otherwise you're just going to have burnout. And I think, um, I think elite HRV is a, is a great tool for, and just measuring your HRV in general is a great tool for, um, helping to make things sustainable and informing the, uh, you know, how we can, how we can change our mindset about things. Well, look, Dean, I think we've kind of ran out of time for today. I'm sure we could, you know, uh, talk about this for hours, but I hope that our audience will listen to this and, and, and take away so many great nuggets and, 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 and think about the importance of mindset and in all that is they're trying to do, um, you know, all that it is in, in what they're trying to do with, with changing their behaviors. Um, so I think this can be really valuable for our audience to, uh, for that reason. Is there anything else you'd like to, to mention, Dean, before we, we kind of wrap this up? Um, no, I'm going to piggyback. Oh, sorry. Yes. I'm going to piggyback off what you just said. Yeah. I think mindset is at the root of all of our problems. And if, if we have a problem that is, um, continues to persist for weeks, months, and years, then we have not yet addressed the right mindset. So it, it it's, it's prevalent in all areas of our life. And I was going to say, Jeff, I'll, um, if people are interested, I can send you a link. Like I'll create a separate page if people wanted to download a copy of the of the uh, Mindset Miracle. So I do. I, I call it the Mindset Miracle because I really do. That's what I call it for me. That it is like it has changed everything for me. Now that I focus first on, I'm not going to run out and and jump into some doing solution and try and do my way out of a thinking problem. That every Einstein had the quote. You know, you can't solve a problem at the same level of thinking that created it. That's a, that's a mindset issue, right? You can't solve a problem with the same mindset that created it. So I, I, that was sort of the inspiration initially for the model. I just swapped out thinking for mindset, but, but essentially mindset is just a persistent thought that we think continuously or or regularly or constantly. So, um, but I can, I can maybe send you a link if people wanted to download that just to have a copy for themselves to see it, uh, might be a good visual reminder. Yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. So we'll definitely include a link uh, in the show notes uh, to this episode. And as well, um, Dean, are there other places where people can go to, to find you? I know we mentioned that you're on Instagram, but um, any websites and uh, social media outlets? So the best place, is if you're looking for daily stuff, uh, Instagram, and then, uh, or d- get on my email list, I do put out a... Uh, a weekly newsletter where I sort of, I highlight five things that ha- have had or will have an impact on building not only my successful body, but my successful life. Right. Okay. And so people can uh, get on the email list at deandoire.com. Is that right? No, actually I just, um, uh, sorry, it's funny. I, I haven't been able to transfer that domain right now. It's successfulist.com, but they can also, okay. So there's two websites that you can, you can type in both lead back to the same website. So it's successfulist.com, uh, which is success, f- successful, 
or just type in the successfulbody.com. They both go to the same site. Okay, great. So on Instagram, he is the new Dean Dwyer. And so um, I think that's all we have for today. Um, Dean, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure uh, having you on. And maybe down the road, we can do another one of these things and we can check in and see what you're what you're up to at that point. With that, I think uh, we'll call it a we'll call it a show. You guys all have a great week, a great month, a great year. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Bye. The Elite Academy now offers in-depth online courses on multiple subjects. So if you're enjoying the content of this podcast, but you're looking for a more structured and logical progression, looking at the science and application of these subjects, check out the Elite Academy at EliteHRV.com academy.